I, uh, I count it an honor and a privilege to share with you in this equipping class tonight, and uh, I think the elders and, and Pastor Jeff have uh, you know, done a great thing by scheduling this equipping class about uh, the local church and global mission, uh, and in my opinion, Pastor Jeff has done an excellent job. You know, he's uh, really guided us through some, some challenging things and uh, laid a good foundation Pastor Jeff knows intimately of what he speaks, having been on the mission field most of his life, uh, growing up as an MK in France and then going back to France. And um, It was a privilege for, for me and my wife, Teresa, to get to know Jeff and his wife, Jane, back in the late 1980s as uh, Teresa and I were just beginning to start deputation uh, to go to Haiti. And uh, it was... Uh, uh, in, in the 80s, I, I came here to go to Liberty and train with the uh, express purpose of preparing to go to the mission field. And then uh, after Teresa and I met and were married, the Lord planted us here at Timberlake, and uh, uh, we've been here ever since. Uh, and uh, looking back over those many years, I can likewise say that most of my life uh, at this stage now has been uh, one of a great interest and involvement in missions. And uh, it's been among the greatest blessings of our lives to be members of Timberlake Baptist Church and to have such an awesome sending church. I have felt for a long time we couldn't have a better, better, better sending church. And uh, we're thankful to, to Timberlake. Uh, there's a lot of faces I don't know now because uh, a lot of new people come, and we praise the Lord for that. that uh, and, and, and we have, uh, with each passing year, we get more and more that are on the other side that we look forward to reuniting with. Uh, that's true for all of us, but uh, uh, we just uh, praise the Lord for, for Timberlake. The theology that has been established over the, the first eight sessions of this class is, is very important. Um, I'm particularly grateful for how Pastor Jeff emphasized the the indispensable and essential nature and, and priority of the local church uh, in respect to the enterprise that we call missions. Um, I hope to continue building on that theology this evening and to do so in a practical way, but uh, there's, as uh, Pastor Jeff mentioned, you know, you can go to a lot of churches and, and there's an absence of that. You can look at a lot of missionaries and there's an absence of a sound ecclesiology and, um, they're missing something that's very, very key to the scriptures. Um, one need not talk to, to very many missionaries before he realizes that there are often major problems and impediments with uh, the current system of sending missionaries to the field and keeping them there. Um, I was... Uh, Jeff initially went under the auspices of a mission agency and, and very early into that decided against that and went uh, strictly sent by Timberlake Baptist Church. Uh, I've always considered myself sent by Timberlake Baptist Church, but through an agency uh, in the 30 years that uh, my wife and I served, we were with Baptist Mid-Missions, but uh, we didn't look as Baptist Mid-Missions as our sender. We looked at Timberlake Baptist Church and some other churches as those who sent us, and they were the ones that, to whom we were accountable. Um, but one of the problems that you find, uh, you can 
Uh, you, you would find this more readily if you talk to agencies because they have the stats and, and the numbers to do it, but there's a, there's a, a very high attrition rate uh, amongst missionaries. Uh, uh, you know, and, and dare I say, that also makes it quite expensive. Uh, it doesn't, it, it, you don't get a missionary ready just to begin his first term without significant investment. And yet the attrition rate is, is, is very, very high. I tried to find some stats on that. And I really couldn't find anything. Uh, I, I just know from experience, I know from being with an, uh, a large agency and, and being around missionary circles for, for decades now, that the attrition rate is, is very significant, much more than what any of us would want and desire. Um, I believe the focus of what we will look at today plays a part in that, and it's a significant factor in that sad reality. In previous weeks, Pastor Jeff has, has rightly established, as I mentioned, the, the, that the church has a central role in missions, not only in being God's plan for sending a missionary, but also in confirming his worthiness to go. Um, I, 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 as, in my, as I was preparing, I was reading through this again and looking, and it's just some, an excellent resource that uh, uh, Jeff has prepared for us. But uh, the church needs to be involved in, in uh, uh, confirming those who are be preparing to go and also in providing ongoing shepherding and oversight for missionaries. On page 38 of uh, uh, Jeff's uh, work, he makes this observation, with which I agree. He says, unfortunately, much of church sending today is limited to a commissioning ceremony and financial and prayer support. That statement hits directly at the heart of something that I want to unpack a little bit more this evening. Um, my wife and I left for language school around uh, New Year's of uh, uh, 1990, or was it not 91, excuse me, uh, Christmas, New Year period, 1991, and spent a year and a half in uh, Quebec, Canada, studying French, and then we came back here for a few months because Haiti was in a very tumultuous time, and uh, in October of 92, we were able to move to Haiti. Uh, uh, spent a, really a relatively short amount of time in Haiti uh, uh, because of politics and the, the tumultuous uh, uh, turbulence of, of Haiti, but also because of Lord's sovereign plan for uh, something else for us. And uh, so we ended up being back here for about a year and a half in 95 and 96, and then from 96 until 2017, we were in South Florida working with Haitian people, doing the same work we were doing in Haiti. Uh, church planting, uh, training uh, national people, and, and, and uh, serving the Lord. Uh, and it's through all this time that God has helped me to refine and develop a, a more of a, 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 a fleshed-out theology of missions. But, um, and, 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 I, and I say that to say that my, my, my thoughts and what we're going to look at tonight are not recent. They've been developed over many years and, and several decades of real-life missionary experience. Um, 
In fact, some of what we'll look at tonight is borrowed from a message I preached in another church about five years ago uh, entitled Rethinking Missions. Um, but before we jump in, let me ask some questions that will hopefully make my propositions to you tonight uh, more personal. A few days ago, I think it was just uh, Friday, I believe, I, I uh, checked the, the, the posted listing of missionaries that are supported by Timberlake Baptist Church. And uh, uh, I found that it contains 21 missionaries or missionary families slash units, uh, 21 different uh, uh, projects, if you want to use that term. And you don't have to answer me with these questions out loud or with a show of hands, but of those who have been a part of TBC for at least a year, which is probably most people here tonight, uh, how many of you could name at least 10 of those missionaries out of 21? You know, if 10, that'd be a little less than 50% of those that Timberlake is involved with. How many could name at least five of them? Less than 25%. How many could name at least three of them? That would be one out of seven. Um, you know, I, I, I hope everybody would pass. <laughs> but I think I would be naive to expect that. Not sure I could, actually, to be honest. Uh, I'm preaching to myself when I'm, when I'm presenting this tonight. Well, we have learned to do, we pick one missionary every day, and we pray for one a day, and we go through. Bless your arm. Praise God. And it does help. Yep. That's, that's an excellent idea. Pick one a day and pray through, and that, that means every three weeks. Each missionary is going to get prayed for. Uh, excellent idea. And, I, and like I said, I, I don't say that. I, I'm not trying to heap guilt on anybody because I'm guilty myself. Um, but I want us to dig a little deeper and, and tie this in with the, the greater subject of the theology of missions. You know, if, if, um, of those that you perhaps could name, if you're sitting here, you've been here for a year or more, and maybe you could name, uh, you know, 14 out of the 21 or whatever. But uh, how much do you know about them? Could you name the spouse and children? Could you tell me anything about their most recent challenges or their most recent prayer needs? Are you aware of any specifics about their field and the people amongst whom they are attempting to? carry out the great commission to, to, to make disciples, teaching and baptizing them and planting churches. Let me make an observation similar to the quote that I cited from Pastor Jeff just a moment ago and with which I am, I, I, I'm fairly confident he would agree with what I'm going to say. And here's my observation and my belief. In, in, this is generally speaking, uh, this is a generalization, but missions as we find it today with relation with, with reference to the relationship between the church and its missionaries is often structurally oriented with little intentional planning for meaningful relationships what do i mean by that to be blunt I will borrow from Pastor Jeff's words with some redaction. I mentioned Pastor Jeff stated that much of church sending today is limited to a commissioning ceremony and financial and prayer support. 
I would reduce that statement to much of church sending today is limited to financial support. Hopefully prayer too, but that's not always, you can't always know that that's even the case. If we broaden the idea of sending beyond just the, the single local church that commissions a missionary to include other churches that share in the responsibility of getting him to the mission field and, and sustaining him while he is there, the relationship can often be reduced from commissioning, some more, some supporting, and praying to just mere supporting. In reality, many of the relationships that exist between a particular church and the missionaries that such a church supports are, are, are little more than a monthly check. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish that weren't so. I don't think it should be so. Uh, but I'm speaking out of experience, mine as well as that of many others that I know and with whom I have shared. And, and, uh, um, and there's others sitting here that have been on the mission field and have served and uh, I, I suspect there would be some collaboration <laughs> with these statements. Um, biblically, I think the relationships ought to be described as partnerships or co-laboring, while practically they are often little more than financial sponsorships like somebody that comes knocking on your door in a neighborhood, and would you sponsor me for such and such? No, yeah, I'll do that. You get your checkbook and you write them a check and you send them on their way and you don't know who they are. It's forgotten after that. (laughs) Um, And there are obviously some exceptions. But the general reality is that mission programs of many churches are structured and maintained in such a way that meaningful relationships between the members of the church, even including the pastors and the leaders, and the missionaries they send are not common. Uh, Let me repeat, using different terms, what I'm proposing to you as as my personal observation and experience. In in our circles of local churches, I'm speaking about... uh, I, 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 um, I'm reluctant to use the word fundamental because that's <laughs> taken on different nuance, nuances. But uh, when I was uh, in, you know, in my 20s and 30s and starting out, we talked about fundamentally independent Baptist churches. And, but uh, evangelical, sound doctrinal churches, in, in our circle of churches, there are far too few meaningful relationships between the churches and the missionaries that are supposed to fall under their role of shepherding and oversight. And I would like us in the rest of the time that we have uh, this evening to, to offer two reasons why I believe this is common, commonly the, the, the reality, and then three reasons why I think this matters and is important. And I'm going to not have time to offer any uh, remedies if you want to use that term uh, I'm still pondering that largely myself uh, I've talked to others and I have some ideas but uh, both time uh, 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 does not allow me to do that and, and, and uh, I, I, I need help 
from from the Lord and from others uh, that that uh, are my mentors. And uh, uh, but why why is it so? Why is it so that meaningful relationships are too often lacking? And I, and let me let me just throw out a couple examples of how this becomes a reality with missionaries. So um, when we left for Haiti, I, I I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was about. 42 supporting churches we had. Timberlake was our sending church, our commissioning church, and our largest supporting church. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, about 40 uh, or, or 41 other churches. Um, you know, it doesn't take very long on the field and dynamics begin to change. You know, within, within a few months after being in Haiti, I wrote a prayer letter and I quoted... At the bottom, at the end of the prayer letter, a half of a verse using the New King James Bible. And I had two churches drop me right away. <laughs> uh, because I wasn't using the right Bible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then um, after, you don't have to be on the field very long and you come back and, and churches change pastors and you didn't ever know about it. Um, we were... Maybe this is not the right term, but in, in a way, we were we went through a baptism of fire, going through the 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 CCM movement, where churches began to change their music, and we didn't know that was happening. We were on the mission field and come home and go into a church, and all of a sudden, church that used to have a hymn book, they're not using a hymn book, and the songs they're singing are way different, and it's it's kind of songs that we were teaching our kids. You know, that's not good good godly music, and here you are sitting there, and you're wondering, how well, what am I going to say to my kids now? And, <laughs> You know, all kinds of things happen. And, um, uh, but oftentimes there's no relationship in the intertwining months and years. And, and uh, you're, you're, you're left uh, wondering what's happening. Um, anyhow, the first reason that I would give as to why meaningful relationships are too often lacking, it really doesn't need much exposition. It's, it's, it's simply this, the principle of, out of sight, out of mind, spills over into our missionary endeavors. In other words, when a missionary is halfway around the world carrying out a divine calling to make disciples of all peoples, it is best that he be there for that task. Because that's, that's what he's supposed to be doing. But the reality is, with long periods of absence... Before returning for a short visit, it's easy to forget that he is part of your church, carrying out an essential ministry, not only in God's name, but on your behalf and on the behalf of those in your church. In fact, it takes great purpose. It takes great intentionality for the out-of-sight, out-of-mind reality not to creep into the relationship. Uh, as is the case with other aspects of our Christian lives, too. But the second reason that I believe relational missions is not more of a reality is because the structures of most local church missions programs are insufficiently, often insufficiently designed to foster healthy and meaningful relationships between the senders, that is, the church or churches, and the sent ones, the, the missionaries. 
If I had time, I could further develop that into several sub-points, but uh, I'm not going to do that this evening. But, uh, and, and, and actually, much of this spills over into some other things I, I would love to be able to share. Uh, and, and I'm sure, I, I think, I've, I've not uh, talked in great depth with Jeff about what I was going to share tonight. He knows the general uh, 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 idea of what I'm sharing, but I believe he would probably echo and, and uh, uh, agree with much of this. And that's uh, a v- valuable testimony and, and, and yeah, illustration it, of really it, what... It's connections. What, it's connections. And when, when you talked yeah. about Annie Bagby, I, I, uh, I remember Annie. Uh, Some of the of the old-timers here. I, I uh, uh, didn't live long enough to get her letters because she passed while we were still here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, dear saint. But, uh, and as you mentioned that in her writing, it reminded me of someone that is here tonight that I didn't know until 2017 when we moved here. Uh, hadn't met, I should say. Um, uh, but uh, one of our supporting churches was Bethel, Bethel Baptist Church in Amherst, and I think it was what around maybe 2012 or 13 when Nate and Holly uh, were leading that church. I hadn't met them, uh, but we got probably emails or I don't remember email or letter, but uh, maybe both. But from from Holly on behalf of the church, introducing themselves and and uh, really reaching out with a desire to cultivate a relationship with the missionaries and how sweet that was and, and uh, a blessing and uh, we praise the Lord for that and the now more we, that we can get uh, our people any of our people and get them there for a short, short term if it's only two weeks or three weeks and in involvement in that yeah. they will not forget and those people there will not forget and, and it will be a, an ongoing a living of missions through the the one that's going and the the ones who are there. Yep. And uh, that that that's, uh, certainly fits into yeah. a, a practical way that we can address what I'm talking about. That uh, you know one one uh, aspect of that. But let me now move on to to summarize three reasons why I think this, I, I term it a problem, <laughs> this impediment, uh, matters. You know, someone says, well, why does it matter? The missionary's there preaching, let him do his work. You know, and um, number one, missions as we find it in the New Testament seems to have been relational. Um, I'm not going to take time to do a lot of scripture flipping. Uh, we, we could, and I, I would like to, but if we were to uh, go beginning with chap- Acts chapter 13 and, and go through chapter 18, where we find the account of Paul's three missionary journeys. Paul's a model missionary. Paul was a church planter. Paul was sent out by uh, a church at Antioch, and uh, beginning in chapter 13, verse 1, and in this passage, we find where initially it was Paul and Barnabas. They were separated or set apart by the church and by the Holy Spirit for their mission work. To be separated from certainly implies that they had been attached to. <laughs> uh, and uh, in other words, prior to their departure on this journey, they had some relationships within the church at Antioch. And if you compare that to the first part of Acts 13 with the uh, Acts 14, 27 and 28, that's the, the end of their first term, so to speak. Uh, 
where Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas returned for, for what we call today a furlough. And furloughs are, you know, used to be back 40 years ago, it, it was typical no matter what field you were on, you went and you were there for at least four years and you come back for a year. Uh, now, with travel the way it is, uh, it, it varies a lot. Some people still follow that, go for four years and come back for a year. Some go for two years, come back for six months. Some go for many years and come back for a few weeks and then go back. I mean, it's just there's a variety of things. But a furlough is, I, I think, uh, needed. I think it's biblical. And we find uh, you know, what, what I think could loosely be described as a model of that here in, in Acts 14. Uh, but they returned to Antioch, Acts 14, if you want to look at it, you can, 27 and 28, not just for one Sunday or one Sunday, you know, uh, uh, all day, two services and Sunday school, not just for a four-day conference, but for what verse 28 describes uh, as a long time. You know, it's believed that this break between that first missionary journey and the second one was about a year in length. Um, with regard to relationships with people in Antioch, what do you suppose that Paul and Barnabas did during this time that they were back for, we can estimate, maybe a year's time? The text doesn't give us the whole picture, but, but one thing they did is mentioned in chapter 15, verse uh, 35, they got involved in regular ministry, preaching and teaching. It's hard to get involved with effective ministry like that without developing relationships. Um, then if we were to go to Paul's second missionary journey, roughly from Acts 15, verse 40, to Acts 18, verse 23, if we were to take up the story at, at, at Acts 15, 40, at the end of furlough time from term number one, we would notice that there has been a change in the makeup of the missionary team. That's the first striking fact that we notice. It was originally Paul and Barnabas, now it's Paul and Silas. But again, it's the local church at Antioch that was integrally involved in their departure. Acts 15.40 mentions the brothers uh, and it's referring to the members of the church at Antioch that sent them forth. It seems likely to me that these brothers knew these men they were sending on a personal level. They had relationships with them. And I, I, I want to make a, a, a side note here. Uh, please note that, that none of this, nor what Pastor Jeff is been teaching us, and he was kind of clear in, in, in his development, that uh, it's not meant to negate the burden, the call, the volition of the individual. Uh, the missionary paradigm presented to us in Acts is one that involves a balanced tension between the individual who has been equipped and sent apart by the Lord and the church that is uh, 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 confirming that and sending them forth. Uh, so don't, uh, don't think that, uh, well, TBC, in their theology of missions, they deny a missionary call. That's not true. You can read Pastor Jeff's notes and see that that's not true. Um, but the church needs to have an integral part in that. Um, if we were to go to Acts 18, 22 to 23, 
we find that the second missionary journey comes to an end and we find that Paul again returns to Antioch, where verse 23 indicates that he spent, it just used the word, some time. Based on reasonable chronologies that scholars have put together, chronologies and timelines, it was likely over six months that they spent again uh, at Antioch. And then in Acts 18.23 through Acts 21.16, Paul made a third missionary journey. There are no specific details about its beginning and ending, so I will not attempt to reconstruct a picture that Scripture doesn't give us, but the fact that with the first two journeys, he does give us more details, and that with both of those journeys, there were details of the departures for those terms and details of their coming back. Uh, yeah, that leads me to conclude that the, that the relationship between the church at Antioch and those whom they sent, initially Paul and Barnabas, then later Paul and Silas, uh, they, they, who were sent as missionaries of the gospel, missionaries sent from this church, it was a personal relationship viewed as a true partnership as opposed to just a sponsorship. So I think that as we see, not a big full-fledged development of theology, but as we see missions in the New Testament, there seems to have been a relational aspect that was there. But there's a second reason why relational missions matters. Various biblical principles lend support to relational missions as opposed to, uh, I've put down the term faceless and nameless missions. And when I say faceless and nameless, I I, I might be exaggerating somewhat with hyperbole, uh, but in reality, an easy test could determine how deep or how shallow our relationships are. Uh, if a local church printed a photo lineup of all the missionaries it supports with blank lines under the photos and then gave them to every member of the congregation and say, fill in the name of who that picture is, um, how successful would the average church be in getting a 50% or above score? Some churches, it'd be no problem because they have one missionary support, you know. Or, uh, but a church like Timberlake that has 21. Or some churches, some churches that are smaller than Timberlake and they have 60 missionaries or 90 missionaries that they support. And, uh, uh, you know, and that's a whole other matter of discussion. And, but uh, regardless, how, how you're, you're at your average church and your average congregation, if, if we were to do this you know, in, in our circle of churches, do you think there'd be a, 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 a huge proportion of them where then that successfully the, the, the majority of the congregation could identify, well, that, that face belongs to this guy because we've prayed for him, we've seen him, we've had him in our home, and we know what he's doing. And, and uh, um, I suspect that average together as a church body, many churches would have a failing score with that kind of a test, which is not indicative of meaningful relationships If you see the face and you don't even know who it is, and they've probably been in the pulpit. Um, Let's take a look at some biblical principles that at least indirectly support relational missions. Probably the most well-known statement of the Great Commission is the one from Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. 
one that uh, really is kind of foundational to this is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching. And uh, you know, in that powerful mandate, we find a clear focus on the relationship between the sender and the sent one. Jesus, the one who is sending his disciples with the good news, he states to them at the end, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. That is a promise of his presence, which is a statement of personal relationship, not of just structural relationship. So I think uh, just the, the Great Commission in itself is very relational when we, we, we look at that. Um, in Philippians, where Paul thanks the Christians who were members of the church at Philippi, and acknowledges them for their support. He states in Philippians 4.17, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. If there were no partnership there, this expression would be rendered nearly meaningless. We see a, a, a similar sent, sentiment that uh, Paul expressed uh, regarding the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9 verses 10 and 11. Paul had relationships with these people. They had relationships with him. I mean, in fact, we, we know that uh, uh, Paul had started some of these churches. He was the, 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 the founder of, of, of some of these. But uh, another principle, biblical principle, the power of teamwork and relational partnerships. It's expressed well by Solomon in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. Let me just read those. You're familiar with these verses probably, but it, where it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And again, this is an indirect point that I'm making. I, I, I acknowledge that. But, but the, it is a general principle that teamwork uh, and, and relational partnerships have many strengths. Uh, that we see that in the corporate world. We see it in the church. We should. Um, and, and uh, you know, um, Ecclesiastes is, is one expression of that. Are relationships within the local church important, according to Scripture? You bet they are. <laughs> you bet they are. In numerous passages, dealing with everything from spiritual gifts to church discipline to exhortations regarding hospitality, there is an emphasis on the body life of the church, which presupposes relationships. In fact, there's been reasonably good books written about that. Uh, the missionary, although having a unique role within the body because of his frequent absences, is in no less of a fashion needful of meaningful relationships. In other words, if, if in the Lord's providence, Michael and Mamie are able to get to China, which has been their, their heart's desire for a number of years now, 
when they are, if that happens and they're in China and they may be there for three years, they may be there for eight years before coming with, with, the, with the visa situation worldwide. And, you, know, you don't always leave even if you can because you might not be able to get back. And you know, if they're gone and we don't see them Sunday after Sunday, Michael's no longer teaching a class here. It doesn't make him any less a part of this body. And it's important that that relationship be intentionally maintained and, and, and uh, cultivated. One last principle. The relational, as opposed to merely structural focus of New Testament church ministry, is very evident when you look at all the names listed by Paul especially in the closing of some of his various letters. Paul often ended his letters with lists of personal greetings and messages to named people in the churches, people that he had grown to know over years of ministry. That should serve as a model to us, that relationships are important. There's a third reason why that I recognize why relational missions is important, and that is that the the benefits of viewing and practicing missions as a partnership are many, while the negative consequences seem to be non-existent. I can not name one. I truly believe the benefits of partnership are many, but I'm only going to list a few here tonight that, that come to the forefront of my mind. One... More meaningful prayers one for another. I don't know of any missionaries who believe they have too many prayer partners. (laughs) And neither do I know of any church members who wouldn't be glad to have some people, at times people on other parts of the world at a different time, praying for them. Knowing one another would lead to such a result. You pray for people that you know more than people that you don't know. That's just a reality. We, people we have relationships with, your children, your grandchildren, your parents, your relatives, your, your close friends. Uh, second uh, thing is opportunities to participate in certain strategic gospel ministries that would never be achievable without the joint resources and commitments of each other. This is a, uh, an aspect that we benefited from. Uh, at times uh, in our uh, years in Florida, we were actually, uh, just prior to us leaving Haiti, there was uh, uh, two young men from Timberlake who were in preparation. To, they already had tickets in hand <laughs> to fly down to Haiti and to help us. with. Uh, it was just a personal need, but it was a family need, and it would have been a way of developing a deeper relationship with them as well as getting them involved in seeing uh, Haiti and seeing what we were doing with uh, uh, that wasn't part of God's plan, uh, but uh, but in our years in Florida, uh, we had I probably I would guess maybe six or seven different times where some of our supporting churches would ask, you know, if we, if we were to bring a group down, what could we do? And uh, uh, more often than not, we would have them come in the summer because it was a lot of times it was young people with uh, a few adult sponsors, but helping us do a, a VBS a couple times uh, and things like that. But great benefit, things that we wouldn't have done on our own because we just didn't have the energy and the resources and, and the ability to do it. If the missionary partners of 
Timberlake Baptist Church are, are, are more than just an unknown person associated with some country or place of ministry, if they are actual people who you know and whose faces you see and remember, like Ashton made reference to, uh, then there's a much greater likelihood of increased participation in serving Christ together. That could be anything from an organized mission trip to go and help a missionary partner to fulfillment of a specific need to we had one church um, did this. They didn't come down, but, but it, was, it was still a personal thing. They asked, is there anything you need or we could do? And, and we were at a stage where we, we uh, had some small children and um, uh, we uh, didn't have the enough leader potential to be able to do something with all, you know, all, all the different age groups. And so sometimes the children would have to be in the service. And so we, uh, we'd seen this in a church that we had visited. And we had some ladies sew some, we called them happy sacks, just a, a sack with a drawstring. And in it were some coloring sheets and some things that the parents could sit and with their child. And the child could quietly not be distracting in the service while being their part in the worship service. And so these happy sacks were made for us by a church and uh, a small, very small church uh, in Iowa where I grew up. But, uh, you know, it, it, this, you could do this, the, 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 the possibilities are almost innumerable. Spending several months relieving a missionary on the field. Sometimes a retired person can do that if it's a, a place where the language and culture allow and, uh, or, or, or there's some you know, ability to teach and, and, and do that. Uh, helping with a specific major project. Um, wouldn't you like to use your gifts, your talents, and support services to, to partner for more souls throughout the needy world? Nothing greater than the fulfillment of being able to do that. And that's just looking at the partnership from one direction. The other direction would be the way that the missionary could help and serve and model and teach when he's on home assignment during, during a furlough. Uh, I need to quickly move on. But uh, another benefit, a side benefit of, of more personal partnerships is that it will stretch our generosity. It is a fact that scores and scores of missionaries wanting and striving to do kingdom work in places throughout the world, many of them dangerous places, are greatly under-supported. I know there's some cases of missionaries over-supported, but that's the exception. <laughs> that's the rarity. Uh, as a result the effectiveness and the efficiency of their potential ministries is hindered rather than enhanced. I believe that relational missions properly implemented would result in significantly greater giving for causes that are more important and have greater reward than other things that we spend our money on, like amusements and entertainment and sports addictions and numerous other resource diversions in, in, in Christians' lives. What is there that diverts resources that you could otherwise invest in God's kingdom? Developing meaningful relationships with some missionaries might help you recognize something of a more lasting eternal weight and glory. As we uh, prepare to close... I, I want to acknowledge again that, that moving a church in a directional shift toward increasingly relational missions, it's not simple. I don't want to oversimplify it. It's not easy. 
And I also recognize that I haven't talked much at all about how to practically implement more meaningful relationships in a church's strategic missions program. Some of the answers can be easily, easily discovered, and perhaps you've already thought of them, uh, while others can be much more complex. But just realizing the points we have considered is a good start. Because you don't solve a problem if you're not even aware of the problem. <laughs> Becoming aware is uh, the beginning step. And uh, that's my goal tonight. There are still untold millions dying without Christ, without access to the gospel. So we ought to be interested in biblical, church-based strategies that will give us greater effectiveness. I've been a part of missions involvement for now most of my life, and I'm personally convinced that relational missions is one of those biblical strategies that needs implementation with relative urgency. (laughs) And I hope you will give serious Bible study and prayer. You can go through the, the, the Acts like I just did a quick flyover with you, uh, along with some thoughtful reflection and discourse to, to our church's global, local church, global mission, and how to best carry it out biblically. Um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate you joining this class tonight, uh, and probably you've been here for the, the duration of the, this is the ninth week, and uh, Jeff will be back, I think, to wrap up next time to our last time, right? Is that next Sunday or a few weeks away, two weeks away? Uh, but I look forward to it, and, and uh, don't hesitate to, to buttonhole Pastor Jeff and say, well, you know, uh, Mark Jacobson said this and this and this. Do you agree, or what do you think of that? Uh, you know, and if Jeff needs to correct me, he'll come correct me. <laughs> and don't hesitate to talk to me and say, well, what, what are your thoughts? And uh, I, I might stare at you and say, I really don't know yet. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I'm burdened uh, because I see it as a need, and, and I hope that God can, can uh, use us together to address it and, and more effectively... Uh, get the message of the gospel to more and more people until Christ comes. But uh, thank you for being here tonight. Let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for first loving us. Thank you for choosing us before the foundations of the world. Lord, we are unworthy. We don't understand that but we are eternally grateful. Thank you that, Lord, in many respects, we are the fruit of someone's missionary vision and surrender. Lord, help us. Bless uh, the elders of Timberlake Baptist Church and the leaders. Lord, bless us as members. Use us. Drive us into your word, into truth. Help us that we would press on with perseverance and with integrity and with strength that only can come from you. We need your wisdom. I pray that you would bless uh, uh, our pastors that are away. Lord, encourage them, refresh them, use them. Uh, And uh, may you be glorified because we have gathered tonight in obedience to you and with a desire to worship 
and to give you glory of which you alone are worthy. We bless your name and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.